Welcome to the Autism and Theology podcast, brought to you by the Centre for Autism and Theology at the University of Aberdeen. Hello and welcome to our second cat chat. I'm Krisha. And I'm Ian. And we're so excited you've joined us for today's cat chat. Today we're going to be talking and discussing about autism and theology from an autistic perspective. So Ian, I guess one of the questions we have on our lovely list in front of us to discuss is why autism and theology? Yeah, and it's it's a um, it's a good question. I think um, our first episode that was with Grant McCaskill and Leon Van Amen, um did some work in in answering this question. But um, I think the reason I got involved in in studying autism and theology and interested in studying autism and theology is because it really seems like um, they were viewed as sort of non-overlapping areas, right? Um, everything that I encounter in my life that talks about autism talks about it from a medical or a psychological perspective, or maybe, maybe a neurological perspective. Um, and everything that I encounter in theology seems to have sort of um, neuronormativity as part of, as a, as a bunch of the assumptions, right? So everything that that I see in theology tends to have as a basis not being autistic as an as an underlying assumption and so it just really seemed to me that bringing those both of those topics into conversation with each other could really um deepen both sides of it um lead to a better understanding of autism and in fact a better understanding of theology so that's that's my answer what about you krisha i guess my interest comes from how churches and religious groups kind of do church or kind of gather and theology is almost like the glue that sticks them together so much like if you go to a sports club everyone's interested in if you go to a squash club everyone's interested in squash you'll have the gear you either know how to play or you're learning how to play there's kind of these things that we all have in common and with um churches and other religious gatherings theology acts as that sort of glue to how we navigate things and how we might understand things it doesn't necessarily mean it always guides what we do for some people it always does but it's really interesting in terms of it decides who is perhaps included or excluded who we talk about how we talk about them and it frames a lot of the discussions that are going on basically within both academia but also the discussions that we have within churches and faith communities. In fact, I remember a few months ago, I had a conversation with someone who I used to um, do some radio with. And we had a discussion about how educating on autism and ADHD and neurodivergence in general can be seen as something quite secular, something that's perhaps not necessarily seen as um, experienced by the church in some way, which I found really interesting. Yeah, it's what's really interesting to me is is especially being part of CAT and seeing all everybody's different research interests, how how different the motivations are for autism and theology. That for me, it comes from more of a systematics perspective, like wanting to get the theology right in my head, in part because 
theology is is a, is an autistic special interest for me. Um, but for a lot of people, they come at it from a more practical sp- perspective, a more practical theology concern over what does it mean to be part of the church and who are we leaving out? Um, and and those are both. I mean, that's those are both theological concerns and deeply theological concerns. Um, and it's I, I think it's meaningful that we can we can potentially answer both sides of that. Yeah, and I also think with the research I do, which is very much social science research, understanding that almost the way we do church and how that is shaped by what we believe and what is practiced and the systematics is actually really important and can often get neglected. It's not just that I'm not a theologian by background at all, but having an understanding of how they all link in together is really important. So one of the questions um, that I think, or, or one of the concerns that I think is is part of this, or 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 lies behind the Center for Autism and Theology, and 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 autism and theology more generally, is its relation to disability theology, and as really sort of a subdiscipline of dis of disability theology, in that. Um, a lot of what we are doing at CAT is building on the work of disability theologians and disability activists and social science social scientists and disability, um, because um, and and I, I this is maybe slightly controversial to say, but autism is viewed as disability, right? I think there are some autistic advocates who want to completely get rid of that label. And then there are some people who think it's, it is purely disability and nothing more than disability. And I think the truth lies somewhere in between there, but, but the, but what we're doing and what we do as CAT and what all of us are doing in, in terms of our research or theological research depends upon disability theology and the work of, of people like Nancy Eastland and the disabled God and reading um, theology that's been done from a perspective of disability. And and it's still a new enough discipline and a small enough discipline that there's that we rely on each other a lot um, in terms of in terms of um, borrowing insights, so to speak. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think there's certainly a lot of influence I've taken from a lot of the disabled and neurodivergent activists. I know within my work and I guess one thing that is really important when we look at disability theology is to understand the role of both activists and non-academics in shaping what goes on in the academy and how important that is and I think that's something that um, through our discussions at CAT happens quite a lot and it's something I reflect on quite a lot in my work especially on kind of key concepts like Imago Dei in particular. Right, which is, I I, I think um, there may be people who would disagree with me on this, but to me, Imago Dei is sort of the central question of disability theology is how do we mean what it, how do we define what it means to bear the image of God? Um, And how are we defining the image of God? And historically, we've had a few different ways of defining that, some of which sort of tend to to be the mainstream definitions. Um, But 
but most of the mainstream definitions tend to leave certain people out, um, depending on how you define it. So, you know, for years, um, and for still, still for a lot of people, the prevailing definition of the Imago Dei was rationality or the rational soul. Well, who's defining rationality and what, what does, what, what does that entail exactly? Um, because th you're certainly leaving some people out who, who think outside of what, uh, what the mainstream or what quote unquote normal people would consider to be rational. Um, or we think of it as performative. There's something that we can do um, or something that we are meant to do, like be co-creators that that is bearing the image to the world. Well, not everybody is capable of of whatever capacity or ability you you put that label to either so then you're you're still defining it in a way that leaves people out and then the third is um relationality so a lot of people will say well we're we're we image god by being in relationship just as the trinity is a relationship among the persons of the trinity and then the problem there is how do we define relationality um because that's one of particularly the hallmarks of autism is is quote unquote wrong social socialization or or difficulty socializing or difficulty in social interactions so if we're defining what it means to bear the image of god as being in relationship with each other then it matters how we define what it means to be in relationship with each other because you will see parents of autistic children who say i don't really have a relationship with my child because of the expectations that they have sort of preloaded into that word so that's all just to say imago dei is is and and who's left out of whatever definition we come up with is sort of the central question of disability theology and that's certainly true uh from an autistic perspective as well in in autism and theology who how are we defining that and are we really making sure that everybody's everybody's bearing the image and in a way, this makes me think of some of the work in broader disability and crit critical disability and critical autism studies, particular work by kind of Leonard Davis. And also when we think of critical autism studies, Damian Milton, that criticise such a normalisation agenda. And that, that maps into kind of how we do church and how we understand theology as well. And I guess the other thought I had, and I think it's quite interesting when you think of Imago Dei, is how socially situated a lot of um, relational schisms, so to, to speak, are. So we have the double empathy problem, um, which was brought into academic literature by Dr. Damian Milton, which is where autistic and non-autistic people um, can struggle to understand each other due to just understanding and living such different lives in the world. And this can cause, obviously, communication breakdowns, people misinterpreting each other, um, and all sorts of fantastic papers have come out of this. And I think when we think of Imago Dei, we can consider almost um, how socially situated a lot of these things are between people. It doesn't necessarily mean that one of us is inherently wrong to echo almost the double empathy problem, because it almost, it, double empathy problem says that it's a mutual mismatch. No one is at fault. No one is deficited. No one is broken. Exactly. And and um, 
And so that's part of, I, I think that's part of the importance of specifically autistic theology, meaning theology that is that is being fashioned and 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 sort of created by autistic people, is that if everything comes from the neurotypical or or allistic or non-autistic side of the equation, then it's not always going to speak to autistic people. Right. And maybe this is part of what lies behind the fact that so few autistic people are churchgoers or are people of faith is because so much of what they've been taught or handed down or passed down in the faith is is constructed from a neurotypical perspective. And so it doesn't speak to us in the same way. Um, And so if we fashion our own, maybe it'll it'll speak to other people uh, in a in a in a more direct way. I definitely agree. And I think this is almost where we need as people, as theologians and social sciences to talk to each other as well. And this is something I feel very, very strongly about because there's such great insights from not only autistic theologians, but also autistic social scientists such as Damien and other people that can really help shape how autistic thinkers of theology can actually create theology or kind of create an autistic theology which can be much more grounded in autistic lived experience rather than taking ideas perhaps which are um, non-autistic where we don't necessarily have the words to explain what's going on around us and then creating something and describing something which doesn't quite fit and work so I'm very much an advocate for people in different disciplines and different thought processes to talk to each other yeah, it's I, I mean, it's a necessity because in disability theology, in autism theology and theology, the the truth and the reality is that we are we are following the lead of social scientists who have gone before. Disability theology is a is a direct result of disability rights movement and critical disability studies in the social sciences and arises out of that. It doesn't you know, we didn't take the lead speaking for theologians in terms of this and and really are having to borrow the insights that critical disability studies um social scientists and 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 people studying this from a from from a more sociological psychological perspective we have to look at those insights and say we're behind the curve here and we need to we actually need to take some of these insights and see how it ins- influences and shapes our theology I-, I think for the better definitely and i almost say as an extension of that that we and i guess this is more understanding how the way we do things in kind of the church and academia that there are activists who lie just outside kind of our structures of where we know people are and they have certainly from friends that I have who are involved with the disability conference, which is hosted at Smartons in the Fields in London every year, which is in partnership with Inclusive Church. There's great people there who are on the fringes of kind of different groups or who've been excluded, yet have such amazing insights and creative and novel thinking. And I think it's almost as social scientists and theologians. It's almost a broader call to actually deconstruct what we think as of as credible knowledge and who we turn to. And I think especially if we are autistic social scientists and theologians coming into a marginalised, coming from a marginalised identity, but coming into a position of power, we have that responsibility almost, I think. 
No, I think I think that's absolutely right. And and not to turn this into an advertisement for CAT, but I think that's one of the one of the really fun things about being part of CAT is that um, all of us are paying attention to as many different voices as we can handle from from outside even our sphere of influence or sphere of expertise. And so the insights that I gain just from being around people who are involved in the same course of study, but listening to other people and hearing other voices and and that sort of thing has really broadened my perspective significantly in in terms of what I've been exposed to and, and been able to draw from. I definitely agree. I think a certain stuff that I've picked up from being a social scientist in social science realms and groups but then I've come to CAT and there's other stuff which has helped me think much more richly about some of my PhD and think, well, how can I apply some of the ideas and concepts and discussions that I have with friends who are not currently allied with the universities? How can I bring them and give them the credit while strengthening it? And I think that's a real benefit of our kind of our interdisciplinary conversation that we have. Agreed. Thank you for listening to this second cat chat on on the Autism and Theology podcast. Our cat chat for next month will be entirely listener questions. So if you have anything that you'd like to know more about your hosts, about the Center for Autism and Theology, or about autism and theology more generally, we hope that you'll send them in to us. You can email us at cat at abdn.com dot ac dot uk or find us on twitter at autism theology thank you for listening to the autism and theology podcast if you have any questions for us or just want to say hi please email us at cat at abdn.ac.uk or find us on Twitter at Autism Theology.